This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to the morning break with Graham Stanley, coming to you live from Mexico City. On today's show, I'll be speaking to Alicia Artusi from Argentina about observation and continuous professional development with a special focus on remote teaching. How do you feel about your teaching being observed? If you're listening into this live, call in and share your this experience. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to the morning break, everyone. Today, I'll be talking about continuing professional development and in particular, the role of teacher observation in CBD. We'll also be talking about remote teaching as well. I've invited the Argentinian educator, Alicia Artusi, to join me as my guest on today's show. Alicia and I have known each other for a long time. We first worked together on a project called Sabal en Inglés. This was a project to teach English, well, is a project to teach English to primary learners in Uruguay via video conferencing and that started in 2013. We both worked for the British Council uh, collaborating with the Uruguayan organization Plan Sabal to plan and deliver the classes. I'm very happy to say that this remote teaching project is still going strong and thanks to the initiative two-thirds of the upper primary students in state schools across the country are able to learn English. Um, that's more than 70,000 students who were given access to English language learning. Without the project, they wouldn't be able to do so. For me, it's a wonderful example of a project that aims to bridge the digital divide and address the lack of English teachers in education. Uruguay, I think, is one of the few places where the One Laptop Per Child project has been successful. All of the children and teachers um, in Uruguayan state schools receive a device they can use at school, either a laptop or a tablet, and take home to use. And this initiative now um, also includes access to a digital library of ebooks that the students can freely access. I think it's a real, uh, it's a great example of a technology project that is well thought out and uh, is actually working very well as planned. 2020, the British Council won a British Expertise International Award for this uh, project in the category of the International Positive Social Impact. And this award was given in recognition of the benefit of the work done supporting Plan Sabal, who managed the project. Areas of excellence included collaborative teamwork, the strong local impact and demonstrable results and innovation, both in the technology used and the methodology implemented. Now, Alicia's role on the project uh, changed from being responsible for supervising the work of materials developers to that of quality manager. She worked principally with remote teachers based in Buenos Aires in Argentina and Cordoba, also in Argentina, who used video conferencing equipment to teach into the schools in Uruguay. The project quality managers, or QMs, principal focus was ensuring 
a high level of teaching quality on the project. And a large part of their job is supporting teachers to overcome any difficulties they may have and also help them develop as remote teachers. That includes observing them uh, teach and supporting their CPD as individuals, but also collectively understanding what input and support the remote teachers need as a whole. Now, recently, remote teaching and guided online learning has become something that many teachers have found themselves doing because of the COVID pandemic, of course, and uh, the resulting school closures. But this project predates that, and it's been running for the last nine years. One of the big biggest differences between this type of remote teaching and the emergency remote teaching that teachers found themselves doing during the pandemic is that all of the learners were physically are physically together in the same classroom in their schools and they're supervised by their own classroom teacher locally uh, local classroom teacher rather than zooming in from home uh, this is a considerable difference, I'm sure you can appreciate, especially when it comes to things such as classroom management. So that's a background to the context of my guest's work. But our conversation revolves around the role of observation of teaching, uh, especially where it pertains to continuing professional development or CPD. That can include everything from the kind of observation Alicia uh, did to peer observation and self-observation, which can be easily done by recording yourself, either on video or audio. And I'll speak about uh, this also. But first, it's time for the Teacher Talk radio adverts and news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-Levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot U-K. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. 
report from the Consortium for Research into Deaf Education has shown that the number of specialist teachers of the deaf in England has fallen by 16.5% since 2011. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that the deaf children already fall behind at every stage of school and they fear that this decline will increase as a result of 53% of existing staff being over the age of 50. Mike Hobday, Director of Policy and Campaigns at the NDCS said, Teachers of the deaf play an absolutely crucial role, but year after year they've been cut just to balance the books. As a result, deaf children are left fighting for their futures and falling behind at every stage of school. We need urgent action to fix this issue, but there is no guarantee that more funding for schools will be enough to provide exactly what deaf pupils need. A spokesperson for the Department of Education said, all children and young people, including those who are deaf or have a hearing impairment, should receive the support they need to succeed in their education. That's why there is a legal requirement for teachers to hold relevant mandatory qualifications when teaching classes of pupils who have a sensory impairment. In Wales, head teachers have warned that lockdowns have left many young people unable to cope as bad behaviour has soared in schools. Jane Harries, head teacher of Haverford West High, warned, there will be very few schools in Wales now who do not have some involvement with the police. It is a tiny minority of children, but it has risen in the pandemic. Jackie Parker, head teacher of Crickhowell High in Powys, said school was a magic cocktail that allows students to develop emotionally and academically. She said, Students have done incredibly well, but we are now in a situation where we need to do serious work around behaviour. It brings to the fore that schools are more than academic institutions. School is about emotional intelligence, empathy and friendship, as well as academic performance. There will be no quick fix. The NAS-UWT union has had an increase in the reports from members of higher levels of verbal abuse from children. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is 
draw a box around what you want. Freeform select, which is draw a shape around what you want. Window select, which is pick the window you want to capture. Screen select, which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this, but stay tuned. There is. Finally, there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board, you can pin, snip and sketch to your taskbar. Right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your Tech Briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Break live on Teachers Talk Radio. I'm Graham Stanley. And today the topic is observation and CPD, especially in remote teaching. My guest is Alicia Artusi, an educator based in Argentina. Now, one of the things my guest speaks about deserves some clarification, and that is observation of remote teaching through multi-points. This is used when an observer is in a different physical location to both the students and the remote teacher. The remote teaching in the project Alicia and I worked on was carried out using high-end video conferencing equipment, not Zoom or Teams or, or Google. Google Hangouts, etc. And in this type of remote teaching, all of the children, or in this case, are in the classroom of their school with their regular local classroom teacher and the remote teacher is in another different space. And often the space the remote teacher in uh, is in um, is not a classroom as such, but a smaller conditioned space called a teaching point, TP for short. This is a much better place to teach from if you're a remote teacher because the acoustics are better, are better for one. And if a remote teacher dials in from a large classroom, for example, then the sound quality isn't half as good as it's negatively affected by the size of the room. When someone observes this type of lesson, they can either be with the remote teacher in the TP or in the school with the students and the classroom teacher or in a completely different location. And that last one requires a multi-point connection to be set up if you're using high-end video uh, conferencing equipment. What is the advantage of a multi-point observation? You'd think it would be either better to be with the remote teacher or with the students when observing. And usually that's the case. If an observer is with the teacher, for example, then they'll be able to more easily speak to the remote teacher uh, before and after after the lesson, be able to better observe how the teacher prepares for the lesson and how she organizes herself. And when the observer is in the school, and this is a better place to observe the effects of the lesson on the, t on the children or, the, or students. And there may be an opportunity to speak to the students uh, and the local classroom teacher before um, and after the lesson. So why be elsewhere then? Well, sometimes it's not through choice, but through circumstances, because you actually physically can't be at either of those locations. 
but also it could be the decision of the observer to experience a lesson the way the students do, but without the added distraction of being in the classroom with all the students. And then there's one other reason for it, which a colleague um, of mine experimented with. That, that colleague's name was Willy Cardoso, and he worked as a quality manager in the Philippines. And there he devised a system of peer observation where he would take a small group of remote teachers into a separate teaching point to observe the remote lesson. And they could ask him questions and make comments while the teaching was taking place. It's a little, it was a little bit like live commentary of the lesson while it was actually happening. After the peer observation was over, the observers would have a short conference with a remote teacher who would be observed to explore questions raised during the observation, etc. And the QM would also give feedback. Now, one of the benefits of this type of observation is that the remote teachers were able to see another remote teacher at work and the quality manager would be able to highlight some of the things that otherwise they might not notice. Of course, a lesson can always be video recorded too. And the advantage of video recording is that um, things happen quickly when someone's teaching, as we all know. And the teacher isn't always aware of some of the consequences that happen as a result of their actions. An observer can always point this out to a teacher but it can be far more powerful for the teacher to actually see themselves and hear themselves do it. Now, I think I've spoken enough, uh, given you enough introduction about this. So let's hear from Alicia Artusi herself. And after the interview, I'd love to hear live from some of the people listening in, if you'd like to join me. But first, let's hear what Alicia has to say about observation, continuing professional development and remote teaching. Hello, Alicia. I would like to thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me today. Um, and perhaps we can start by you introducing yourself. Thank you, Graham. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Alicia Artusi. And uh, well, I've been wearing different hats <laughs> along the many years of, of enjoying this profession as a teacher, a materials writer. I worked also for the British Council on, on different projects, uh, being probably the most uh, relevant one, Tansaywal in English. It's a remote teaching project. Thanks, Alicia. And I've invited you today to talk in particular about observations of teachers, observing teachers, and how that can help teachers improve to become better teachers through continued professional development, CPD. I thought we could both share our experience of being observed first and how we have benefited from it uh, as a way into that. And if you like, I can start by saying I used to, I used to always sort of fear observations like most teachers. We didn't, you don't feel comfortable about other teachers observing you. And it's almost as if you feel like you're being judged for uh, what you're doing in the classroom. And it, and it always seemed a little bit artificial and a little bit tense. But then there was one experience that I had when I was working as an English teacher in Barcelona, where I had a particularly difficult class of primary learners. And uh, those learners uh, had behavioural problems. And it, it was only a very small class, but I had real 
difficulties controlling them. I really needed help with that. And my line manager uh, suggested that he observe my class and give me the advice. But rather than him coming into the class, he suggested that he that I video it. So I took a video camera in. He also asked me whether I would mind if he used the resulting video recording for a teacher development session about classroom management with primary learners. And I, I readily agreed to it, not knowing what I was letting myself in for. So I, I set up the camera in a corner of the class, pointing at uh, the students and myself. And as soon as the students came in, of course, the the camera started to attract their attention and it made things sort of 10 times worse. And without going into details, I had a, a terrible class and <laughs> had terrible problems managing them. But that's not the point here. I think one of the things that happened was after the class, I told my line manager that look, I've, I've had a class. It was it was terrible. I'm really embarrassed about it. And he said, don't, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Let's just sit down together and watch it. So we sat down together and watched the classroom recording, the video observation. And he started watching it and pausing it and started asking me to observe myself doing certain things and said, look, this is the point where you lost this boy's attention. What could you have done differently, etc. And I, I'm not kidding, Alicia, I learned so much uh, from that experience about my teaching and about classroom management, just going through that exercise of watching myself, of observing myself, doing the things in the wrong way that my teaching was totally transformed by the experience. And then the subsequent teacher development session with the other teachers really empathizing with me and my experience uh, and sharing their their experience of, of similar things. And my teaching, it was like a, a whole new chapter in my teaching after that. I learned so much from the experience that uh, I became a fan of that type of observation but i think any type of observation is is great what about you what what about your experience of of being observed i agree with you graham it's being being observed and observe yourself uh, also on, on on recordings it's extremely useful uh, especially with a tutor or, the, or someone who can point out what went well what were the areas of improvement and you watching it at the same time is very powerful it's very clear I mean, it's not the same to say your instructions were not clear as to actually watch the instructions and the faces of the students. And then, of course, you realize without nobody saying it that the instructions were not clear and what to do with it and how you can get it right. I think it's as, as a first step, what I found useful is to um, ask teachers who were going to be observed to invite peers to observe themselves. So, uh, so first, before the observer, the, the expert goes into the, the classroom and observes the lesson, they could invite a peer, okay, come to my class and observe me on something that they thought they were successful at. For example, uh, giving instructions or putting the students into pairs or putting the students into groups. And so say, okay, come to my class and see how I do it. And then uh, the teachers went with something in mind, with a focus on what to observe, not to observe a whole lesson, but to observe something of that lesson. Uh, that's also, um, I think, a first way of being observed without the pressure of being observed by a professional, by an expert, by, a, by someone who's your director or boss or yeah. Um, also, as you said, the, re the recordings are, are very useful, especially any kind of observation that's 
not face to face. In the case of video conference that we used to uh, use multi-points, so we could observe the teachers just by, by having a, a multi-point communication. So we were not physically in the teaching point or in the classroom. That was successful in a way. But I should say also that sometimes teachers like to have a face-to-face -face professional seated next to them because they can interact. They, they turn around sometimes and they, they make an expression and say, look what's going on. And so it's also important to establish a professional bond, trust with the person who's going to be observed. So this teacher can actually share concerns uh, as well as achievements. Another thing that works when, we, when you're being observed is to, to see the observer as, as someone who can suggest ways of dealing with challenges. That is, uh, not as the person who's going to come and say, okay, this is right and wrong, but the person who's I can call anytime, okay, what can I do? And then you go and observe that lesson and that challenge, or there, there's someone at the back playing with toys that uh, seems to be um, in his or her own world, and I don't know how to deal with it. There's someone with a special need. That observation isn't necessarily about the observation of the teacher, is it? It's about the observation of the learning and teaching. So that involves what the teacher's doing, but it also involves the students. So in my case, the one I mentioned, for example, it was as much about what the students were doing and how they were interacting with each other and with me than it was about what I was trying to do and what I was trying to teach them to do as well. So what you you were mentioning in the case of, of the incidents that, that I'd love to hear more about is that that was really about the behaviour of the students being observed rather than the teacher, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I think the power of observation is not only observing the teacher's practice, but also observing classroom situations that the teachers got to deal with. And they see the and, and if they see the observer as a person who can, with it, because of, of his or her expertise, can help solve or, or address these issues, then the teachers are more welcome to open doors and being observed because they see the observer as a person who can uh, provide support. And of course, they are very honest about all the challenges in the classroom and outside the classroom. Uh, now there are several ways of uh, keeping in touch with people uh, through social media, communities of practice. And, and so what we need is the teacher's honesty to say what's, ha what's happening, what the challenges are. And, if a teacher, before being observed because of quality reasons or quality assessment, can ask the observer, come to my classroom, I want to see this, the behavior of this particular student. It's only one student, but disrupts the whole class every time he or she does this, for example, or um, wants to call everybody's attention, stands up, pushes people. Okay, what can I do when this happens? Even the some other people in the school do not know how, what to do and how to deal with it. After the observer observes the situation, then the observer can also ask for support to other professionals. In my case, for example, I was in a community of practice of special needs in a group of people with expertise on the area of, of uh, special needs. And so I asked the community, this is what's happening in the classroom. What would you do or what's normally done with the students and they provided a number of, of suggestions. So what we have here is the observer as the person with the knowledge and expertise to observe a classroom situation and then 
support the teachers to make learning better because the teacher is part of a process it's part of a of, of let's say a bigger objective which is to educate the students of course and so there are lots of different reasons why how a teacher can benefit from from being observed to get support for a particular difficult class etc but as we said in, in your position when you were working as a quality manager or on the on the project that we both worked on in uruguay you had to observe teachers for several reasons one of them was was if there was some kind of issue in the classroom either with the students or something that needed addressing that was one one of the reasons the other reason was just as a routine observation to ensure everything was all right but also to support the the, the teachers with their cpd how alicia did you approach the observation of teachers to ensure that your presence if you like whether it be remote presence or when you actually entered into the situation where you'd be sitting next to the teacher. How did you approach that observation to make it less stressful for a teacher and to make sure that the teacher felt that, that they were on, you were on their side really and, and could help them? Are there any is there any advice you, you could give to other people who have to observe, for example, or to teachers who, who want to feel comfortable being observed? There was a meeting organized, like pre-observation meetings, with all the teachers of this project. We worked together, Plan Saival in English, so they could meet the observer, ask any questions. Uh, then the observation instrument and, and was presented. Okay, these are the standards of what is considered a good remote lesson. Uh, we went one by one, what expectations are, um, what the instrument involved, like setting the, the right environment, learner participation, use of technology, uh, lesson planning, that basically uh, was based on the British Council CPT framework and adapted several times uh, to suit remote teaching. So a pre-meeting with everyone is important and explaining what the expectations are, what the, the standards are, and the teacher then can, can at least be informed of what's going to be assessed during the lesson. Uh, they can make any comments, they can ask any questions. It should be, shouldn't be long. Yeah? It can be 45 minutes with everyone in the institution and that's enough. Um, so it's, it's important to arrive much earlier, to give some time for the teachers to approach, to and introduce themselves. In many cases, they show their computers with the students' work. Uh, they ask questions that worry them. Some of them give important information about the classroom you're going to observe, like saying, look, uh, there was a storm and today there will be only four students, not the 15 students I normally have. Or uh, there's been a, a, an accident, uh, uh, the, the classroom will not be the same as usual etc etc so you give some time for the teachers to uh, explain whatever they want to explain <laughs> to establish some kind of bond and your attitude of course towards that will help them sit down and make the teacher feel comfortable normally what happened after the first uh, assessment the first quality assessment is that teachers just invited invited me many times to the classroom several times to observe different situations so it's got to do with is this is this 
observations something that will help me be a better teacher or is this observation something that will be paperwork for the institution whether i'm good or a bad teacher so it's the focus of what is the observation for that teachers appreciate when it's 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 got to do on it or it ties with the uh, professional development and not just records for 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 the institution yes of course i think and in what ways can observing teachers really change their um, their teaching practice if you like what ways based on your experience have you seen that teachers have really transformed the way they teach as a result of being observed? Do you have any examples you can share with us? Uh, yes, when giving feedback to the teacher who's be, who was observed, I think it's important to provide if it wasn't recorded, which in the case of a recording, it's very clear what happens when it's live and, and it, it, it's not recorded. It's important to give examples of what you observed yeah so if there was i don't know there wasn't a friendly atmosphere it's not actually very clear for the teacher to say okay the students weren't relaxed or nobody participated because they felt intimidated and stopped there you need to provide an example like a student won't raise his hand and you ignored him or and there is no participation because the level of the language that they were exposed was much higher than what they could produce. So when you open the floor for them to participate, they just kept silent. Provide an example of what happened. Uh, and sometimes write between inverted commas what actually exactly the student said and what exactly the teacher said. Like, it just not say, you uh, uh, gave very long instructions, but actually I wrote the long instruction that it was like five sentences long. And the teacher sometimes couldn't believe they've done that. Yeah? In the cases of where there is a lot of teacher talk and there's no room for silence, again, I tried to, between inverted commas, write what the teachers were actually saying, which was not relevant or and didn't add any clarity to the, to the lesson. And normally that's when the teachers say, oh, yeah, I, I always do that. And then they were invited to record, voice record themselves to spot that in their action plans. I think what I, another thing that helps in teachers is to have an action plan, an agreed action plan. Not something that the observer says, okay, this is what you've got to do, but say, okay, we need to improve learner participation and in the giving of instructions. So these are the two things that you need to improve in your practice. Agreed, agreed, okay. Which is first for you? So the teacher also is involved in the decision-making of this lesson, of this improvement plan. Well, first instructions, because I want to do that first. And then there are a number of tasks or, or tools the teacher can use, like record herself with a phone, observe another peer, observe a peer, etc. A number of things, not many, so it needs to be manageable for the teacher who are always busy to actually do it. So a couple of things. And then uh, for, money, for, for learner participation, a couple of ideas to set pair work, for example, and how to set pair work. After two months, the teacher is observed again only on these two things. And normally, there's always improvement. There are very few cases of teachers who don't improve in, in their practice in things that have been highlighted, spotted, and discussed together. I think if it's a process in which both professionals discuss, agree, and the teacher is involved actively, 
in taking responsibility of her teaching. It's not an outsider that comes and says this is right and wrong, but this is what we have agreed needs to improvement. Then there's teacher normally um, commitment. Every, every teacher I met with wants to improve her or his practice. And they normally welcome the observer who, otherwise they are all by themselves. Yeah, so they welcome the, the, the observer because it's one person that's supporting and providing ideas that otherwise they need to figure out by themselves what to do. And of course they are clever. They know that something's not going right, but probably they do not know how to do it in, in any other way. So I think it, it's opposite to what's been traditionally seen as something negative for the teacher. I think that doing it in the right way, it's extremely positive and welcome. Yes, no, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, I like the idea that you've mentioned, you know, peer observations and other types of observations, which are can be very useful uh, for teachers. Going back to or, or focusing now on remote teaching. So the idea of teaching through video conferencing, however you do it, and your experience of observing teachers teaching remotely. I know we we collaborated on a, an article on a on a book chapter about about remote teachers, in particular remote teachers who are beginning their careers and transforming from face-to-face -face teaching to teaching remotely. And what the you know, observations, through your observations and through surveys, what, what they really needed to learn to be able to transform their practice to help them teach remotely and how they could be they could develop through cpd are there any reflections you can share with us now alicia about what you learned what we learned through mm -hmm. those observations and what the teachers needed what generally what the young learner teachers needed to do better and what they did well yeah graham i, I remember that in the article there were two things that we pointed out as the most challenging in remote teaching and was managing the lesson remotely uh, because the teachers are not physically in the classroom to organize the classroom organize the resources and and then they need to put the students in pairs they need to put the students in groups and and that they they see as a possible uh, uh, disruption and problems so uh, there was a tendency to avoid pair and group work just because they were not there and they say, okay, how can I group them without making a lot of noise, without disrupting a lesson, without wasting a lot of time. That was one of the main things that happened. Also, the, they try not to use the technology, the laptops in the classroom for the same reason, because that would take a lot of time. As students may, may watch, may, may, see some, may do some other things with the computer rather than than opening the, uh, the virtual classroom. And the other thing that was very difficult to change was the giving of instructions, the setting of the task. Uh, that is the setting of the environment, of the classroom environment and the setting of tasks. In remote teaching, a lot of more support is needed. A lot of more stages are needed in order to, for the students to understand what needs to be done lots of other tools apart from speaking like showing pointing highlighting circling gestures using the camera using realia i mean there are lots of elements so when the teachers just want to speak 
and give the instructions doesn't work and they seem probably all the all the gestures they use in the face-to-face -face classroom they don't they don't seem to use in the remote teaching for some reason because they are not used to being in front of the camera so they just don't use the power of <laughs> communicating with the body and with the facial expression or with the tones of voice. So for novice teachers, giving instructions and managing interaction patterns, I think was the most difficult thing to change. But it was changed, yeah, it improved significantly. Yeah, I think what you said is is, is important for, for remote teachers is that to actually, I think more, more if you're teaching remotely than if you're teaching face-to-face, -face, you need to exaggerate your body language because, you know, a lot of the time you're just a talking head on the screen. If you can avoid that, that's a good idea. But also if you can use your voice in an expressive way to be able to engage the students, that's really important. What about other other reflections through observing teachers? Is there anything else you have noticed? And what about the the factors that can positively or negatively influence someone who's teaching remotely or any sort of advice for teachers? to kind of ensure what needs to be in place before they start? I think that the first thing is to make sure the environment is, is organized. For the remote teacher who's not in touch with the learners, who only sees the learners uh, remotely, uh, it's important to have the students' names written in the way they are seated. To agree on a seating arrangement was key, so as to appoint the learners by their names, because they knew they had this seating plan on a piece of paper and, and then they, they just appointed the students um, by their names. To have routines helps because also the students feel intimidated by a lesson in which the teacher is on a TV screen. And so they need to feel safe and say, what's going to happen next? So if they have a couple of routines, opening and closing routines, they, they, they relax after they know that, I mean, the initial routines have to do with, you know, greetings or the weather or showing something about your life that you have around, turning your laptop and showing what's happening through the window. And, and so the students see that this is much more like real life. Also to use different tools, not only, not, all, not only the technology, not only slides, not only a whiteboard, a web whiteboard, which is extremely useful, but sometimes just a piece of paper and write on a piece of paper, draw on a piece of paper, a mini whiteboard that you can that you can manipulate. Also, when you monitor the students, you're not always on site. When you monitor the face-to-face -face class, sometimes you disappear from the student side. So sometimes disappear from the camera and show something else, not yourself all the time. Show, a, I don't know, the cover of a book or what's on the on the whiteboard. Uh, I think this also keeps the students attention. Uh, it's not just a, a talking head showing things which appeared on the screen using sounds, which are also powerful, the use of music, uh, all the variety and to set the environment and to make the students feel you know, motivated to be in this lesson, not to see that there will be this talking head again next week. Uh, this person showing the slides with things that I cannot quite follow because, well, depending on the ages of the students, they get distracted because they are in a real classroom where there are noises and there are people coming in and out. So you need to keep their attention in spite of the face-to-face -face environment. So setting the 
a good environment for me it's it's key and the way of delivering after you are familiar with the technology and you're familiar with the content of course i know that comes first <laughs> after that you plan your lesson and you know what you're going to do focusing on one thing i mean not to try to be a performer from one day to the other but just one thing okay today because of this topic of emotions I'm going to use my voice in different tones because the topic allows for that. And that's it. That's my objective today. Uh, the other objective, another day, because it's actions. So I'm going to stand up and then I stand up and I perform the actions. And for the day, I bring my guitar or whatever it's in the house. And I'm going to use it because it's actions. Yeah, I'll show the students my bicycle or whatever. So one thing at a time, again, one challenge as at a time. Um, that's what that's I can all. think of. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alicia. Just to just to finish off with the spaces that pe that teachers use when they're at home, when they're working at home, when they're teaching, is something that you're particularly interested in as well. I know that you started a Facebook page for people, for teachers to share their spaces. Could you talk a little bit about that to finish off with maybe? Uh, yeah, that's uh, back in, I don't know, the, it was 2012 when uh, the remote teaching center in Buenos Aires was set up by the British Council. And I, for the first time, I saw what a teaching point was. And, and then I saw that it, I saw it was something very small and with empty walls. And that it, but soon teachers started to decorate the TPs in, in the different institutions um, to put poster walls and, and toys. And, and, and then I invited people who were delivering lessons from home to show where they deliver the lessons from. I mean, what, what is the right environment that you need when you, when you teach from home? What kind of space do you need? If you have a chance to have a separate room, but if you don't, what can you do uh, to deliver a lesson? Does it, and, and then people started to show, okay, what works for me is to have, I don't know, a big table with the different devices. I choose this place of a house because it's quiet. The kids are not around. Then I had, I don't know, an extra light because I deliver lessons at night. And, and the different, the kind of microphone you need to use to have good sound when delivering the lesson. What happens if connectivity is not that good? And people start to share what works for them when they work from home. Even the food they eat, <laughs> some of them have shared. Okay, I always try to have uh, some fruit and, and drinks around. And, and what, what makes also a positive <laughs> environment for the person who delivers the lesson. You need to feel comfortable. You need to feel that you're not interrupted. And that you like a little bit of the things that you like around. Yeah. Uh, I, I have sometimes things I like from, I don't know, I have some, some uh, things I, I like that I cannot put anywhere in the house and I put them in my, in my, in my working hub, in my teaching points. And I'm happy here because I have things that I cannot put, I cannot display in the house because it's of nobody interest but, but me. Uh, and, and then uh, have things I have from, from trips or cards I have from people I love or some silly things like, I don't know, uh, toys that I had as a, as a kid and everything I, I, I put it here. And so I like coming and delivering the lessons from this place. That's really interesting <laughs> to hear. I think, I think what comes across for me is that, you know, it's important that teachers feel comfortable in the place where they're, they're teaching from. 
So, and that's, uh, that definitely comes across in the photographs that you've shared from people as well. Listen, Alicia, I'm going to um, wind up now. Uh, I'd like to, like to thank you very much for your time. And uh, it's been great talking to you about this uh, and catching up with you. Thank you, Graham. My pleasure, always. <laughs> Thank you very much to Alicia for talking to me about uh, about all of that. Now, I'd like to invite uh, people listening in live to join me to talk about their experience of observation, CPD and or remote teaching. I think um, Phil Longwell is waiting in the wings. So let me try and invite you to speak, uh, Phil, see if we can uh, get you on live. Let me see. You should be able to speak now. Hi, Phil. Hello, hello, Graham. Hello. It's so good. Oh, it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how are you, Phil? I'm very well, Graham. Congratulations on the new show. Thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And although the last two weeks I've been... Uh, I've had recordings of people that I've spoken to just because I was a little bit nervous of having everything live. I'm starting to become more familiar with the app. So next week it'll be all live and, uh, we'll have to have you on, uh, as a, as a special guest at some point as well. Yeah. I don't know a special guest talking about what topic. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, you can we... decide that one. <laughs> sure. I sh uh, there are so many things I could ask you to speak about, Phil, uh, believe me, but, um, just, um, just for the benefit of everyone who doesn't know you, could mm. you, uh, kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and about your own teaching context? Sure. Thank you, Graham. Well, um, I'm known online as teacher Philly, uh, which is my Twitter handle and I've used it since, uh, I was called that in an orphanage in Tanzania and Tom, who is the CEO of, of Teachers Talk Radio, I was with Tom uh, in Tanzania many years ago and that's where I got the nickname of Teacher Philly. So this is, this is really bringing it full circle, really. Oh, wow, um, that's fantastic. Tom, I think Tom might be listening in. So, um, yeah, I called in on Tom's show the other day because um, he was talking about, I can't remember the topic, but it was an interesting topic. He was interviewing somebody uh, about um, teaching on a bus. Um, my situation, for those that don't know me, is I, I currently work, or I now work in Preston in the UK, uh, yeah. and I've actually moved on from being an out out and out English teacher to being a study skills tutor. But for 13 years, I was a language teacher, worked in different countries around the world, including Tanzania, Vietnam, yeah. China. I've also taught on pre-sessional courses in Norwich and uh, last year and the year before in the University of Sheffield. Uh, so I've got quite a bit of experience of remote teaching, of uh, online teaching, of uh, observations that are done online. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a bit of a potted history of me, really. Fantastic, Phil. So what about your own experience of either being observed or observing teachers? Um, well, I haven't done much in the way of observing peers or other teachers because I'm not really a teacher trainer. I remember doing it for my CELTA course way back in 2009. Um, I've been observed many times, as you can imagine, and most yeah. recently in Sheffield, where I was delivering online uh, sessions. And of course, there is the online pedagogy, the online management of the classroom, and it's the use of technology. Um, I think a lot of teachers for the past 18 to 24 months have been about shifting 
their classroom practice, their face-to-face or in-person delivery to, to an online setting. So, but I, as you know me, I'm, I'm pretty good with technology and I've been part of the Learning Technologies Special Interest Group for IATEFL. So, so I've, I've got, I'm, I'm not phased by the use of technology and I know that things can go wrong and often do go wrong, but you just mm. have to kind of get through that really. Yes, of course. Yeah, always have a plan B. Um, what about uh, what about observation and CPD? Is you know ob- um, being observed yeah. to develop as a teacher? Um, have you had, have you done much of that? I know, I know you're very proficient with video, um, and that's an interesting way of actually doing self observation, isn't it? Yeah, there is a video of me which I recorded with my own camera of me doing my teacher training with with Niall, getting my CELTA, because I realized very, very early on that observing your own practice is a real insight into developing as a teacher. Um, I actually contributed to, I think, something that the University of Warwick put on uh, and the British Council produced the publication where it was looking at teacher observation with the use of video. Um, I know various people were involved in that, including Joe Kokonga. And, and the point of that was that I have never been afraid, people that know me now, no, I'm not camera shy. I'm not the sort of person to, to shy away from being filmed, um, as my YouTube channel will, will, will testify. So I got very used to being observed, watching myself back teaching from a very early point in my teaching career. So mm. I'm not as phased as some people are when it comes to being observed. I just feel I've done it so often now. I'm just it kind of, it's almost second nature. I realise it's part of the process. I realise it's part of any contract that at some point they just have to observe you and, and, and evaluate you. But um, yeah, I realise how nervous people can get about it. Um, but like I say, it's something that I'm kind of a bit of an old hand at now. Yes, no, that's great. I mean, as I mentioned previously, one of the best things I ever did for my own professional development was watching myself teach and just realising all of the things I needed to change about it, especially sitting with someone else who knew a lot more than me um, and taking their advice. Yeah, but I um, mean, on that, Graham, I mean, teacher talking time was a biggie for me. Um, whether you're nervous or not, I... You, we still have the tendency to talk too much in the classroom, um, yeah. whether that's in the physical classroom or in an uh, online setting. Um, that's something I had to learn. Yeah, paring down my language early on was 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 a big one. So so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, most teachers, if not all, uh, have that uh, lesson to learn. I think, but um, it's it's curious. Um, I've just remembered some time ago. When I worked as a as an English language teacher in Barcelona, um, we were part of a European Union project um, that was looking at uh, interactive whiteboards when they first started appearing for language teaching. And one of the things we did as part of that project was actually film teachers um, teaching with a, an interactive whiteboard in different ways and trying to sort of take examples of how best to use the tool uh, and provide them as uh, as um, as video clips. And that was really useful, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that is so interesting, if 
you or a teacher is watching your peers, either live, as, uh, as we said before, you know, being able to observe a peer teach and learn from them um, is so important. I don't, you, you said you hadn't done much peer observation, is that right? Um, uh, I'm trying to rack my brains to think of when I last did a sort of peer observation. I mean, I have in terms of I've team taught so say at the university of sheffield on the precessional we were paired up so you always were working with another teacher and you were always both in the online space and yeah it's informal peer observation it's like you have a thing you have a feedback thing after the thing you you set decide who's teaching or who's leading on the next session but with the technology there was always an issue of okay needing someone to support the other teacher and then things would come out organically like okay you could you know how about do it? That was really great what you did. That use of, I don't know, uh, Jamble today was great. How about we do this tomorrow? And, and, and suggestions come out in that way, not in a sort of formal structured observational way, but in a sort of just a team teaching sort of peer-to-peer way. That's the sort of limit of my recent experience on peer observations, I would say. Right, yeah. No, I think one, one of the problems I've always found um, wherever I worked is the um, logistical problem of of actually, you know, we, even when you know it's a great thing to do, to be able to try and set up for another teacher to observe another teacher usually means having to substitute their class if they're teaching at the same time, etc. And it's really difficult to to organise. Well, I think that's why sort of recording classes is such a a great way uh, around that, but. Um, I don't know about your experience, but, you know, we're both, as you say, we're, we're kind of very familiar with technology and very comfortable with being recorded, either audio or video, I think. But what about your experience of colleagues or peers? How would they feel about being recorded, even if it's just recording themselves and watching back? Um limited enthusiasm i'd say <laughs> my experiences like you know, generally teachers that i've worked with or know have not been keen on it they don't yeah. like to be videoed they get very yeah. self-conscious um i mean i might talk about how i've kind of got used to it just by doing the exposure by doing it and and and, and learning from the experience myself but there were people especially when it came to online situations that just really really were not keen for things to be recorded um things for you know evidence to be shown because they just think oh they, they think so many things about what's that going to be used for is it I, as you said earlier in the show am i going to be judged is someone because someone going to judge me on this yeah so there is a lot of nervousness around it um right at the moment i'm kind of although i'm not explicitly a teacher we do have workshops and we will in our small team maybe sit in on each other's workshops as a way to offer feedback, not during the workshop, but afterwards in terms of what went well, what could be better, and, you know, how to move forward. It's the kind of almost the bad news sandwich in terms of there might be a a developmental thing in the middle, but you sandwich it with two lovely things like you did that really, really well, and I think you're really good at your job. I don't know what it is, but something along those lines. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, talking about my experience earlier of, of videoing myself and probably the worst ever class I've ever had as a teacher was the one I videoed. And that that being recorded for posterity as such 
was was really sort of it 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 made me very nervous about having that around but yeah. i think what what really helped was you know my sitting down with my line manager and going through it and watching it and it was great material for him because he was teaching he was doing a, a teacher development session on difficult on classroom management and being able to manage uh, students with uh, you know, difficult students to teach, basically, and uh, so it was. It was gold for him to have that on tape, and you know, I had to uh, sit through a teacher development session where he put on clips and talk through it. But all of the teachers were so supportive, uh, you know, saying, you know, we've all gone through it, we've all done it, etc. Mm. But one thing I was particularly interested in was not having that tape around. So I made sure that, you know, I took it at the end of the teacher development session and I kept it for a little while and then I destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, destroyed I all evidence, you know, yeah. This was before, before it was on actual videotape, so it, was, it wasn't easily uh, transferable to YouTube or whatever, but I certainly yeah. didn't want it, it leaking out there. Definitely. Listen, Phil... I think uh, come the end of the hour, so um, uh, I'm gonna um, sort of sign off because I always last week I I, I was a bit late and I don't want to overextend my uh, welcome here. Uh, so, but thank you very much for joining me to talk, and uh, I'll definitely invite you on uh, in, in in the near future if that sounds all right. That sounds absolutely fine, and, and good luck with the rest of the show. It falls on a Tuesday when I'm probably able to listen to it at least some of it anyway live so all, all that's the best. perfect okay thanks phil so Bye. everybody that that brings us to the end of today's show thank you for listening thank you to alicia artusi in argentina for sharing expertise with us many thanks to phil longwell for joining the conversation about cbd and observation today as well i really enjoyed talking to you phil and um next week's show i'm hoping uh, will be dedicated to virtual reality vr and augmented reality, AR, and the metaverse, uh, the relatively new initiative from Facebook that suggests our social media connections in the future will be dominated by uh, by VR and AR. And um, I'm, I've got a special guest lined up, which I'm uh, I'm hoping you know will who will be joining me live. Uh, Remember, you can join me live and share your ideas as, and comments as Phil has done. Uh, uh, during the show if any of you want to call in that would be great you can either let me know in advance or just turn up on the day that would be great i think you do need a podbean account to be able to do that and if you want to get in touch with me the best way to do that is via twitter where you can find me if you look for at elt graham until next week then this is me graham stanley signing off if you're listening live then the next teachers talk radio show is with anik kalik and warren kidd at 4 p.m GMT. If you're listening to a recording, then remember there are lots of other teacher talk radio shows to listen to. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.